We're just going to read three verses of scripture. I know we we finished with the first one that we're we're going to read tonight, but I want to uh, recap that because this is the beginning of the message. Amen. So Acts chapter two and verse fourteen, the Bible says, "But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known to you, hearken to my words." Verse number 15, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Amen. And so tonight we're going to begin to dig into the word of the Lord and we're going to talk about this message. We're going to begin to break down the message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Amen. There's a lot of stuff here that I think we skim over sometimes, and I think we need to just take a little bit closer look at what Peter actually said when he was preaching that day on the day of Pentecost. Amen. Let's ask the Lord to anoint his word to the to our hearts today. Can we do that? Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace. God, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have tonight. God, I'm asking that you would reach down, Lord, and take, God, these feeble words that I can put forth, Lord, and God, use my, my, my mouth and my mind, God, to speak to this people today. Lord, not just them, but myself included, that we could all leave challenged by the word of God today. We magnify you and we praise you tonight, Jesus. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. Last week we finished talking about the importance of the preacher. We finished our, our lesson with talking about the importance of preaching and why it's necessary in our lives. Peter, there he began to preach because, as he was, because he was compelled to preach. Not only because he was compelled to preach, but because he had the access to what needed to go forth to the people of God. God had given him the keys to the kingdom. God gave Peter, whether Peter realized the importance of what he had in his possession or not, Peter had the ability to open a new dispensation to all of mankind from that day forward. In fact, we are living in that dispensation, that this era of time that Peter had opened unto us at the permission of God. Amen. Jesus had given him the permission. God, Jesus had given him the authority to begin to, to open the salvation unto man as we know it today. Peter, amen, when he got up to begin preaching, we, we talked about it last week. I don't want to go through all of that and, and rehash it all. But I do want to say this, that Peter, uh, he, he was compelled to preach because there was a group of people that were hungry in that congregation that day. There were people that really longed to hear what God had to say to them. Can I get an amen? amen. They were longing. What in the world is going on? We see what's happening. We feel the effects Amen. In fact, I preached on uh, on Sunday night in Olathe. I preached about being filled and being fervent. Amen. And I can promise you that 
all of the extra minutes we got from our, our Sunday morning service, I packed them right on into Sunday night's message. Amen. I promise I didn't do it on purpose. Amen. But we had good time in the Holy Ghost. Um, but as I began to talk, I talked about how that um, as those that had been filled with the Holy Ghost, the hundred and, about 120 of people that had been filled with the Holy Ghost ended up in the street and Brother Tuffy what they had on them began to affect the others that were around them. They began to feel the splashings, can I put it that way, of the Holy Ghost. And they began to wonder, what is this that these people have? And, and now nah, these people must be drunk. These people must be, uh, these people must be out of their mind. And, and, uh, and so we have Peter. He said, you know what? They're asking questions now. They're making accusations now. Now is the prime time to step into this situation and provide the answer to the question that is being asked. And so we find Peter standing with the eleven, lifting up his voice, crying out, You men of Judea and all that are here in Jerusalem, be this known to you, and I want you to hearken or listen to my words. Amen. Now, I want to stop and say this before I go too, too much further. I'm, I'm trying to break this down into a couple of different eras, areas as I, as I begin to study this passage of Scripture. And, and so the first part, I want to go back and I want to look at, because the first thing that Peter does in this passage of Scripture is he, he addresses the scoffers, those who were making fun of them. He addresses them right out the gate. But I want you to understand something, that there will always be scoffers or, I, I don't know how, what, what other words could I use for a scoffer? I, I didn't actually put any other words in here. Everybody understand what a scoffer is? A hater. Yeah, there we go. There, we can bring it in today's terminology. There's always going to be haters towards the things of God. How many times, how many times have you heard somebody, when you get out of a good Holy Ghost power pack service, somebody come to you and say, man, you, you must think you're holier than everybody else is now. You ever heard that before? I know I have. I can tell you folks, no matter what happens in this world, the scoffers or the haters are going to only continue to grow. You know why I know that? Because our society today is only worried about pushing the envelope on LGBTQ and on inclusivity and on being or not being racist. That's what you hear talked about the most. And whether or not you can be transsexual. By the way, that's not even possible. God made man and women. Men and women. He made, first of all, a man. And he made, second of all, a woman. Because he knew the man needed to help meet. We talked about it at the wedding Saturday. God needed, God knew that this man shouldn't be lonely. And so he created him a woman to to help fill that void in his life. Now, 
two men can't fill the void that the woman is supposed to fill. And the woman's not going to find fulfillment in that void with another woman. It's just not going to work. I can, I got to be careful tonight. I want to stay on target as far as this lesson's concerned. But I, I'm just sick and tired of all these major labels pushing these, these ignorant, I was going to say the S word, but I'm not going to say the S-T-U-P-I-D word, all right? The, I know I had to clarify because I didn't want people to think I was saying some other S word. My, my, my wife and her sisters were playing one day and her little sister comes in and and it, when I was growing up, by the way, shut up was a bad word. We weren't supposed to say shut up. I think it was Amanda runs inside one of her sisters, whoever it was. Anyway, one of the kids running inside, Mom! Was it you that said it? I don't know, it doesn't matter. One of them said, one of them said shut up. And one of the other kids went inside telling, them, telling Mom, Hey, so-and-so was out there saying the SH word. Well, everybody else, we automatically go that way. Anyway, you got to be careful what you say, Sister Cecilia. And uh, so, especially when you're preaching. Um, anyway, so I'm sick and tired of the ignorant agenda of this whole pride junk going on. Number one, you realize the word pride is an abomination unto God in and of itself. Period. You know, the Catholic Church named them the seven deadly sins. But the Bible says in Proverbs, there are six abominations unto the Lord. Yea, seven doth the Lord hate. Okay? That's what the, that's what the Catholic Church created as the seven deadly sins. But pride is in there twice. God doesn't like a proud look, folks. We've got to be careful of that. I'm, I'm, well, hallelujah, anyhow. I don't like when people are constantly going out. I don't care how much money they have. Gotta be careful. I don't believe, Brother, Brother Tuffy, that we should be going out and getting extravagant with the things that we wear. The houses that we buy. The vehicles that we drive. I'm sorry. God entrusted me with the finances that he's given to me to be a, what? A good steward. And to me going buying a $100,000 Bugatti doesn't sound like being a good steward to me. That's, that's a pretty cool car. But what good is that going to benefit the kingdom of God? You with me? This suit right here cost me less than uh, just barely over $100. And you know what? I don't know what the difference between this one and a $1,000 suit would be. But I don't feel like if I would go buy a $1,000 suit, I'm, I'm not going to put people in hell for it, but I do know this much. The scripture says that we shouldn't be wearing costly array. I want to give glory to God. Why do I wear suits? I wear suits. Brother Tuffy and I talked about this one night. 
because we, we went over that passage of scripture, and he's like, well, what about suits? Should we not wear suits? And I'm like, no, I still think that when we come to the house of the Lord, we ought to dress our best. But you don't have to go out and buy $1,000 worth of suits. You ladies, we don't have to go buy $800, $900 dresses just to be in church. In fact, my wife, right before church, she made, she made her shirt before she came to church. That's how poor we are. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But let me tell you, folks, I'm not here. I'm not here just trying to rant and rave. But I, I'm afraid too many times that the more that God entrusts us with, the less that we are wise with. And I hope and pray that one day, someday, that we can always put first the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said we need to do. Did you know, Sister Rini, that Jesus said not to even worry about the clothes you're going to wear tomorrow? He said, what? He said, consider the lily. Man, I'm so far off my notes. Consider the lily. Whom your father has clothed and given it what needs to survive. Consider the birds of the air. He provides them sustenance from day to day. Sunday morning we talked about the Lord's Prayer, didn't we? We talked to those of you that weren't here. I'm just going to rehash it real quick. The Lord's Prayer is pretty simple. He didn't say, pray this. Lord, give me this year my yearly bread. No. What did he say? My daily bread. Why, why should we ask only for the daily bread? Because tomorrow I'm going to have to go back to him and say, hey, can you help me today too? Because here's the thing. If he only provides us our yearly bread, some of us are only going to talk to him once a year. Am I right or am I right? I have children, and I know when I'm being approached because they need something. And so you know what? I try to hold everything close so they can't, they can't have it until they come and ask. No. God always provides for us exactly what we need, folks. He did it for the children of Israel. My God can supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Do you think that in heaven there's a shortage on riches? I don't because, you know, I know the one who can make the riches if we do run out. And all he's got to do is say, let it be. And guess what happens? It is. Why do I know that? Because his word tells me that. I was talking the other day on the phone. You know what? There's something about the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, there's so much pain right here in the side of my neck. It's gone right now. God's good to us. But let me tell you something. I, 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 asked, Brother, I asked Brother Maze this. It never ceases to amaze me how God works like that. I can be so sick, 
sick at my stomach. I can be hardly able to breathe. I can whatever, and I'll just come, and I can come to church. You know why? Because God has stepped into my life so many times. When I walk to the pulpit, God just says, okay, I'm going to take all that away for a little while. But you know what? Not, only, not always does he take it away forever. Sometimes he just takes it away for the service. And after service, it's like, oh, why didn't you just take it for good, God? <laughs> Amen. But God's good like that. And why did I say that? Because I want you to think God thinks I'm special? No, I'm not. Look, I'm no better than any one of you sitting on this pew today. But I want you to understand. Brother Tuffy, when you put your mind to doing something for the kingdom of God, regardless of how you feel in your body, regardless of how you feel in your mind, regardless of how you feel physically or spiritually, if you know it's the will of God for you to do it, he'll make it clear. And number two, he will make you feel in such a way that you can accomplish his will. It's his will that his word goes forth. It may not necessarily be his will that we sing songs before the word goes forth. I've been in services where my pastor said, hey, we're not going to have any music tonight. We're just going to study the word of the Lord. And we're going to respond to the word of the Lord and we're going to go home. Now he did that because we, were, we hit a stump and our church wasn't able to move. And he said, yeah, we're going to do this for a few times. A few weeks ago, I didn't know it, and I, I got to church on Sunday night, and I walk in, I'm like, um, the music's playing, we're about to start singing, there's no singers on the platform, like, what is going on? <laughs> and I walked over to Brother Goff, and I said, hey, brother, did the, are the singers not coming? I'm like, who's singing tonight? He goes, pastor said we're not singing in the mics tonight. He said, the church is going to sing from the pew. And then he, he mentioned, and Tori's here, she can, she can testify to this. That night, that Sunday morning, the church sang as a choir. And the Holy Ghost moved like no, nobody's business. And Sunday night, we were singing worship songs, songs that needed a, 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 a soloist and a, and a backup group. Guess what? They worked it out, and God moved in that service, and we absolutely had church. There's something to be said about breaking the norm for us, kind of shakes our world a little bit and says, all right, God, I know that this is what we've always done, but you know what? We're going to change up, and we're just going to have some good old-fashioned church. Amen. Speaking of which, Brother Mendez, I want to talk to you this week. We need to have a meeting. There's nothing bad. Things I want to I want to change up. Um, all right. There will always be haters. I went that long in that direction because I talked about haters. There will always be haters, especially when it comes to the things of God. You don't believe me? I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm not trying to be a pessimist here. I'm not the one who said it. You don't believe? that there are going to be haters out there against the things of God, I want you to look at what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5. In verse number 11, he said, Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. Why? 
For my sake, he said. Now, it's one thing that they, they revile you and make fun of you because of you. But Jesus said, I can promise you if you follow me with your whole heart and you devote your life to me, there are going to be haters in your life because of me, Jesus said. Oh, you're one of those Jesus people. Huh. We kind of went through that on Sunday afternoon, didn't we? You know what? It doesn't matter. You know why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, we can get upset about it. We can get frustrated about it. But if we let God take care of it, if we let God step in and just work in that situation, they're going to say what they want to. But you know what, Sister Rini? I've seen those same people that fought it with all their might. One day they walked in the back door of a church and they found an old-fashioned altar and God filled them with the Holy Ghost and just, well, hallelujah, just like they were against it, they became for it. Think about this. There's, there's one testimony, testimony right there. Think about, think about the Apostle Paul. How can you scream any louder, I hate Jesus, than by going out and getting his followers and killing them and putting them in prison? <laughs> but God said, hey, I know his heart. He thinks he's doing what's right. I'm going to go get him. I'm going to knock him off his horse. I'm going to put blinders on him. And I'm going to tell him to go on into Damascus. And he's going to meet a preacher who's going to declare to him how to get saved. And all of a sudden, he has taken this nasty old man called Saul. And he's turned him into a, an apostle called Paul. And then this man, this apostle, he meant he has been able to establish so many churches. In fact, the Bible tells us that it was because of Paul that all of the then known world was reached by the gospel of Jesus Christ because a man who was passionate about the things of God. When people start throwing fits and they start going off in, in tangents and all that, I, it doesn't bother me. I'm just like, God, is that another Paul? There may be a day. Mark chapter 13 and verse 9, Jesus said this, But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues you shall be beaten, and you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. Amen. So, Jesus tells us there's going to be haters in our life because of him. It's okay, because he's still greater than they are. They're not the ones giving me an eternal life in heaven. He is. I don't answer to them. In fact, another passage of scripture, I don't have time to go into it, but think about this. You can look it up for yourself and, and study it up for yourself, but the scripture teaches us that we should not fear what man should do unto us, but rather we should fear God who holds our eternity. Amen. I, that's not an exact quote, but that's... A, that's the gist of what the scripture tells us there. Amen. When you know your Bible, this is another bit. When you know your Bible, scoffers will never bother you. First Peter, we'll go there first. First Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. And who is he that will harm you? 
if you be followers of that which is good. I'm going to read that again. Who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But and if ye suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And look here, how do I sanctify the Lord God in my heart? A colon means, I'm about to explain what I was just saying. He said, and be ready always, everybody say always, always. to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That tells me you need to be able to explain to somebody what happened to Brother Mendez. Right? You need to be able to give an answer. If somebody came to you, Brother Tuffy, and said, hey, I want to know, why don't you do the things that you used to do? How come you don't go to the places that we used to go to? How come you don't talk like you used to? Can I give an answer to anybody that comes and asks me a question as to why I'm doing these things? Peter said, we need to be ready. And you're going to say, I don't know if I'm smart enough to understand the scriptures and to be able to declare them. Well, let me tell you something. Some more of the things that Peter said you're going to realize there was no way, Brother Mendez, that Peter knew what he was talking about except for God gave him revelation while he was preaching. He was a Galilean. He was not a smart man. In fact, most Galileans, they didn't finish the entirety of school. He didn't have the level of education that the Apostle Paul had. He didn't sit under the rabbis. But God chose Peter, a fisherman. And he chose Paul, a studious man who spent all of his growing up years in the house of the Lord. And God used, instead of the studious man, the one that had all the answers, he used somebody that didn't have all the answers to be the front man for, for the church. And he began to preach and he began to proclaim the gospel of the Lord. You know what I believe happened? It happened back in Luke chapter number 24 when Jesus opened their understanding of the scriptures. God gave them the revelation. Sister Rini, God can give you a revelation and you can tell somebody, this is why I do what I do. Not because my pastor says so, not because the church says so, that's not, be, not, not because that's what we believe at this Pentecostal church. No, but because here in the word of God it says, I need to repent be, and be baptized in Jesus' name because that's what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. We ought to be able to say, hey, this is the reason why I am who I am and where I am today. I'm going to be able to give an answer to every man. And guess what? I will say this. Just because somebody's barking at you loudly and just because they're saying some weird things doesn't mean you have to engage and try to get on and try to make them understand they are wrong. You don't have to. 
Most of the reason why they're doing what they're doing is because they know they're wrong and they're just trying to push buttons. And if they aren't wrong, if, they, if they, it isn't that part, then God will step in. Do I have to remind you of the seven sons of Sceva? They saw what the apostle Paul was doing. They, they were like, man, this is awesome. He laid hands on people and they're getting delivered of demons. My goodness, he's got some power. And they heard him do it in Jesus' name. And these seven sons of Sceva, they said, you know what? They found them a person that had a demon inside of them. And they went to that person and they started saying, I adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Come out of And that spirit spoke up and says, Jesus we know and Paul we know. Who are you? Y'all read that Bible story? Y'all read that in the book of Acts? Who are you? And you know what happened next? God allowed those demons to come out of that individual for sure. But they jumped up on them boys. And they left that place naked and ashamed. But let me tell you something. You don't have to judge somebody for what they're saying against the word of God. Because the word of God will stand for itself. And God will send whatever needs to happen down to happen. Amen. The scoffers had said that the excitement and the tongues that they had heard was due to intoxication. I don't know if I said it during Bible class or if I said it during service. But I have never seen an intoxicated person all of a sudden start speaking in another language. Now, sometimes you wonder if it's another language. And they just learn their words and, and you can't understand what they're really saying, right? But that's not another language. That brings in confusion. But on this day, these people said, man, these people must be intoxicated with some kind of new wine that makes them speak in different languages. My goodness, how, how silly can you be? This truly would be a miracle if becoming intoxicated could make you speak foreign languages. If you study, if you realize that no matter what people say, the devil lies about truth. He doesn't lie about lies. Consider it. If the devil is trying to convince you something's a lie, then there must be something true about it because he's trying to drive you in the opposite direction because he knows if you go that direction that you will not stay in his grasp. I don't want to stay in his grasp. I want to get away from him as quick as I can. I want you to consider with me, even Jesus was ridiculed in ignorant ways. Just as ignorant it was for them to say, hey, these people are intoxicated. That's what's making them speak in other languages. What? We hear them speak these other languages fluently. We understand what they're saying. It's not slurred. It's not messed up. Jesus was there. 
And this is another one where he was, he was uh, casting out a, a devil. And it says here in Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 22, amen. This was brought unto him. Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. Wow, miracle. God delivered a person of a, of a devil and all of a sudden they could speak and they could hear. And all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? Wow, this is amazing. This has to be none other than the son of David. This has to be the Messiah. Come on, folks. Wake up. Realize what's going on. But the Pharisees, mm, those religious people, those know-it-alls, <laughs> walked up and said, this fellow, pointing at Jesus, doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Now, I don't have time to break down what Beelzebub is, but I want you just to understand, Beelzebub was just another term that they used for Satan. Okay? That's just as simple as we can get it. And Jesus knew their thoughts. They hadn't even said it out loud yet. And Jesus said this, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself cannot stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then this kingdom stand? Can I just tell you what Jesus said in really simple terms. He said, boys, I know what you're thinking. That I cast this guy out, this, this devil out in the name of Beelzebub. And I'm doing this as an act, just showing you, hey, I, I, but how in the world can Satan cast himself out of somebody else? It's impossible. It doesn't even make sense. Just like drinking alcohol is going to make somebody speak in other languages fluently. I mean, can you imagine, Sister Rini, all of, it, all of a sudden you just got wasted and all of a sudden you start speaking French fluently? Just But really, well, I guess that's the wrong kind of language. But anyhow, all I'm saying is it never happened, folks. It's an ignorant ignorant thing to say and the devil has some pretty ignorant blame games that he likes to play on the people of God he does but I want you to understand it cannot be true and whatever is true must always stand may not happen today may not happen tomorrow maybe people are going to question uh, question your integrity and your your character but I can promise you this Time is the truth's best friend. Never forget it. Hallelujah. And so we're going to move on here, and, and I want to talk about how that God used the ridicule, no matter how ridiculous it was, but God used the ridicule, the, the haters' speech, to anoint Peter 
And Peter began to use the ridicule to start his message on the day of Pentecost. But he didn't just preach to the scoffers or the haters. So many times, we all, all we do is we focus on the hater. We want to satisfy the hater. And we miss everybody else that we need to really be reaching. And you know what? The devil's game just worked. Somehow, we've got to realize, like Peter did, hey, yes, I've got to give an answer to what they're, what they're saying. But I'm going to move on and I'm going to give answers to all the other questions that are in the minds of the people here today. Peter didn't just preach to the scoffers that day. Amen. Acts 2 and 14 says, but Peter, standing up with the leaven, lifted up his voice, said to them, you men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Amen. Sometimes you can waste your time trying to convince the haters or the unbelievers, but Jesus gave us explicit directions to his disciples, and I believe that can go on to us today for those who are unwilling to receive the words and the gospel that God has sent us to proclaim to this world. Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 through 14. I'm going to try to go quickly. And this is Jesus. He was about to send out the 70. Amen. And he's, he's telling them this is what you've got to do. Amen. As you go, preach. Saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you have received. Now freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses nor scrip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city you, or town you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words. Say it again. Jesus is talking here. Whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that city or that house, shake off the dust of your feet. Can I just put it in today's terms? they're not going to accept the gospel, if they're not going to accept the way that you have changed, it's time to move on. That's what he said. And the last bit is, Peter stood up and began to preach because Peter, we, lest, we, we better not forget this, Peter had the keys to the kingdom. And if Peter didn't open the door, nobody else, nobody else had the authority to do it. But God gave him the anointing that he needed to preach that day to open the door to the church. In fact, as Peter began preaching to them in Acts chapter 2 and verse 15, he said, these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. It was inconceivable in the mind of Peter that these people should try to say that these men are drunk already. It was early in the morning. And even if these men were drinking men, it was very early in the morning for them as well. In fact, today, folks that I know that are 
alcoholics, they'd probably still be sleeping by this time of the morning. Now, let me, now you realize Peter said it's the third hour of the day. Now, for us, we would say two in the morning would be the third hour of the day. Right? In our day, we have a 24-hour day. Midnight, 12 o'clock, right? One o'clock, two o'clock, maybe three o'clock in the morning. But that's not how the Jews did their days. The Jews actually broke up their days and even in, in 12 equal parts from sunrise to sunset. Okay? So what Peter was saying in essence, that this is the third hour since sunrise. So if it was six in the morning that the sun came up, it would be nine o'clock when he's preaching this to these folks. You with me today? And so he's like, guys, put, put your thinking caps on. What you're saying doesn't even make sense. Even if you were an alcoholic, most likely you're not going to be drinking at this hour of the morning. It was appalling for these people to make this type of an accusation. Seeing that it was just three hours from sunrise. And it was from this point, Peter, that's all he said. Hey, you haters, you want to say these folks are intoxicated? Hey, these men aren't drunk as you suppose. It's only three hours after sunrise. And guess what? Now I want to tell you what this really is. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in Acts chapter 2 and 16. And it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your men, young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. On my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Amen. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. These folks aren't drunk like you think they are. But... This is that that Joel was talking about back in the book of the prophets. These people are experiencing what Joel said. Now let me tell you something. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot, I'm going to say it again, I cannot agree and or sign on to the fact that they're saying Joel's prophecy had to do with the second coming of the Lord. I don't believe it. You know why? Because under the unction of the Holy Ghost and written in Holy Scripture, Peter said, what we're experiencing on this day of Pentecost is what Joel was talking about. We are living the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. Consider who was there that day. And I'm probably going to have to finish on this, this note tonight. Consider who was there that day. Later we find out who was there. The ones that cried out, crucify him, crucify him. They were the ones in that crowd that day. What did they see take place just 50 days before this? 
blood and fire and vapors of smoke. The dead were raised. The saints of old were walking the streets of Jerusalem, folks. All of these were prophecies. And Peter's reminding them, hey, this is what happened just 50 days ago. All of that had to happen before the Spirit fell upon all men. You with me today? I've heard it preached that the outpouring of the Holy Ghost is going to come upon all men in the last days. And they're talking about when it's closer to the second coming of the Lord. My friend, no, we're living in the last days. The last days that Joel was talking about was the church dispensation, the era of time. They were looking for a great revival to fall upon mankind. Yeah, I believe it can happen, but let me tell you something. It already happened on the day of Pentecost. 3,120 people receiving the Holy Ghost. A couple days later, I don't know, weeks later, another 5,000 people were filled with the Holy Ghost, and it kept happening and happening and happening and happening. And it's still happening today. Hundreds of people receiving the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. Whole churches getting the revelation of who Jesus is, getting baptized in Jesus' name in Africa. And let me tell you something, it's still happening today. We're not waiting for an end time outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We are in the end time today. We got to realize this, what we have experienced, is what Joel was talking about. And it's been happening for near on 32,000 years. And here we are today. We've got to get this message out. We've got to get out there and tell people. Amen, I, I, here I'm going back into the vein that I finished up on Sunday night, but got to understand, God gave us the Holy Ghost for one purpose. If you haven't heard it yet, if you haven't heard it, you need to go back and listen. I, I, I'm begging you, go back and listen to Sunday night, uh, sorry, Tuesday night of last week. I don't know what the date was. From the Olathas, you can go to the YouTube channel, you can go to the website. Um, but it's there. I encourage you to go listen to the bishop's message. I don't know what it was titled, but all I know is he talked about the one thing, the one thing he drove home was the fact that God created us in this world for one purpose. Anybody know what that one purpose was? That's, that's part of it. That's another part of it. Our minds sometimes go only to the natural side of this. But he gave us the Holy Ghost to become witnesses. But what does witnessing end up doing? Reproducing other believers. You with me today? So the main purpose that God put us here on this earth was to reproduce. Not just reproduce our own selves, but to reproduce Christianity and Christians into others. What's that? He did go forth and reproduce, be fruitful and multiply. That's what he wants us to do in the church. Now, some, some folks are doing a great job naturally, but, fit, but spiritually, they're not doing a lickety split. And somehow, we've got to get a burden to say, hey, I want to reproduce in the church. I want to see the church grow. I want to see great things happen. Why? Because when we see the kingdom of God grow, God begins to bless you. Now, I want you to consider this with me, and I'll close on this note. Because I, I don't, I know if I start working in the other areas, 
We're going to be here a long, long time. We'll pick up talking about this is that next week. But I want you to consider with me. I haven't done that this at this church. I did it in Olathe Sunday night. I guess the bishop did it in a verbal way. I'm not going to I'm not going to get up and have you guys all move around, but I want you to consider with me. We have 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 15 of us in here. 15 of us in service tonight. All right. So what would I what would happen, brother Tuffy? <clears throat> if I were to do what God told me to do, now, the job that God gave us was this. Jesus told us in Matthew 28 and 19, he said, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Right? Right? So what are we supposed to do? Go and reproduce. Are we on the same page yet? He said we're to go and reproduce. So, my job is to go. Right. Got to go. And I find somebody that I connect with. And we get to working together. We get to going through Bible studies. We get to working. And, and next thing you know, you're in the altar. Because God filled you with the Holy Ghost. We baptize you in Jesus' name. Because we saw that that's necessary to be saved in the Bible. So, now there's two of us. Man, we just doubled the ministry. And guess what? I'm not done teaching you yet because I've, I've taught you salvation. I've taught you what it takes to be saved, right? Now I've got another obligation. I've got to teach you how to go out and find somebody and do what I just did with you. And so now, there's two of us. We're going out into the world. And there's two of us now. We're going to go find somebody. Not the same person. Right. He's going to find somebody. I'm going to find somebody. And we work with somebody. You with me? How many people we got now? Four of us. Oh, well, we'll just do it. Why don't you grab him? I'll grab you. Come on up here with me. I want, I want to make sure we get this tonight. All right. So now I've been working with Brother Blue. He's been working with Brother Donnie. Brother Donnie's got the Holy Ghost. Brother Blue's got the Holy Ghost. We baptize him in Jesus' name. Now we've been teaching you guys. It's important that you do the same thing we just did with you to somebody else. So now I went from one. I went out one time, and I got Brother Tuffy. I went out two times, and now we have four of us because we're all doing the same thing, me and Brother Tuffy. The next thing we're going to do is all four of us are doing what God told us to do. What's going to happen now? We're going to have eight people. All right, we only had 15 in service tonight. You with me yet? Now, if I... If, if we all go and grab somebody, let's do it. Ready? Let's go. <clears throat> Come on, Reagan. We got to get some women involved in this thing. <laughs> so 
So now you guys see what's going on. We got reverse roles. Is that what the deal is? Now look at this. We have a pretty good looking group up here. Eight people. And I've only went out three times, Brother Blue. He's been out two times. And you guys have been out once. You with me now? You just go out and you get one person. You work with that one person. If they decide to walk away, that's not your problem. God will give you a burden for somebody else. And then you got to go out and find somebody else. Now, I want you to consider. Now, if we if we were all to go out there, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We only have, we, we would take everybody now. I was just double checking myself. Yeah, I counted Carlos. There's 15 with Carlos. But if we all went out right now, one of us would come back without somebody. That happens sometimes. But don't give up. Be not weary in well-doing, for in, when? In due season. We shall, everybody understand the importance of that word shall? We shall reap if we faint not. The key is, we got to keep doing it, Brother Kevin. Whether it's family members, whether it's friends, it's coworkers, it's somebody that we meet on the street sometimes, and they feel something different about you. I looked at Reagan Sunday night because I had I don't know how many people we had in the front that night. I, I, I was talking to other folks, and I walked over to Reagan. And I said, Reagan, just think, what would happen if every single one of us on a Sunday morning we're sitting around 30-ish. If everybody showed up at the same time, we'd have about 35 people in service with us on a Sunday morning. You know how many people that would be if every single one of us went out and got somebody? It'd be 70 if we had 35. 30, 30 and 30 is 60. I was thinking of the 35 number. But I'm just saying everybody that says this is their church and they come at least at some point on a Sunday morning, right? If all of them came and they all did what we're supposed to do, we would we would have to put uh, five more chairs out in this auditorium. You realize what I'm talking to you about? What would happen if we got a vision of reaching the lost? Now, I've already preached that this year is the year of Jubilee. In the year of Jubilee is when things get restored. That's when things come back to you. What would happen if we all got busy about the kingdom of God and God began restoring all of these things back into our lives? Not only is the church growing numerically, but we're growing individually as well. Y'all with me tonight? You guys feel, feel the importance? You feel the pull of the Holy Ghost on your heart tonight? I'm not just trying to drum something up, but I want you to realize it's important that we get involved in the kingdom of God like he called us to. He filled me with the Holy Ghost and gave me power to reproduce. I know I cut that whole verse short, but he said you get, you're going to get the Holy Ghost, receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost will come upon you to be witnesses. Right? 
Y'all can be seated. I am so hungry to see the glory of God fill this place. I, I, it's later on in my lesson. It's later on in my lesson, but I, I'm just going to give you a teaser for next week. One of the things that signified that Jesus was the true Messiah, Peter said it. I'll, I'll jump to that verse real quick. Let me find it real quick. In verse number 22, Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you, how was he, how did everybody know that Jesus was approved of God? It's right there on the screen for you. How did the world know that the Messiah was the one who God picked himself? Everywhere he went, he was healing people. He was bringing them back to life. He was, he was delivering people of bondage. In Mark chapter 16, he said, And these signs shall follow them which believe. My goodness. I can tell you folks, and I'm, I'm closing right now with this portion. I want you to think about this with me. There's going to be a day that where you are able to look back and you're going to have people saying, hey, what in the world is happening at your church? And you're going to be able to tell them, let me tell you what happened this past Sunday. So-and-so came in and, and they, had a messed up, they had a messed up ankle and God touched them and, and God healed them. Brother Mendez showed up again and his back was all out of whack and all of a sudden God reached down and touched him. He couldn't hardly walk, amen, and, and all of a sudden he was standing up and down. He was doing jumping jacks in the altar. It's happened before, folks. On a Wednesday night it happened. What would happen if we all started coming to church with that kind of faith? I'm coming to church. I'm walking through that back door. Donnie, next time I come into the house of the Lord, I'm expecting to see God do something in somebody's life before we leave the house of God. I'm not coming just to go through the motions. I'm not just coming to go and, and, and make my feel self, myself feel better because I heard another lesson on the word of God. Amen. That's great. That's wonderful. But that doesn't change. It doesn't only change lives when it just becomes dead, dry, and dull. I'm coming. Not only going to hear the word of God because there's power there, but I believe, in fact, if you go, I challenge you to go through the New Testament. And through the Gospels. And I want you to look. Every time Jesus finished teaching, he performed miracles. His word was followed by signs. His word was taught. And the power of God confirmed the word with signs following. It could be just somebody getting the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. That's a power, that's the, that is the greatest miracle that can ever happen to anybody. Yes. 
I'm looking for the day, Brother Blue, that when we come to the house of the Lord, that when we have church, at least one soul gets the Holy Ghost before we leave the house of the Lord. Every service. Every service. Every service. I don't care if they come in and get healed, but there's one thing that I'm looking for, Brother Tuffy, is every time we come to church, somebody leaves this place that's never had the Holy Ghost before, filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Not this nonsense of, hey, I'm going to teach you, just just repeat after me, ba, 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 ba. No, that's not, that's not talking in tongues. That's not the Holy Ghost. That's a bunch of made-up mumbo-jumbo. That's what that is. Amen. That's not what the Word of God teaches me. The Bible tells me that if, if I'm going to speak in tongues, it will be by the utterance given to me by the Spirit. Amen. I am hungry for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I'm hungry for a true outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But it's going to depend not just upon the preacher whether or not he wants it, but it's going to have to get down in the hearts of the people that are in the pew. And when you come to the church, amen, every single time we walk in, we ought to walk in saying, God, I don't know what's going to happen today, but God, I know something great's going to happen. The apostle, the apostle Peter and John, and John, they went to the house on the day of prayer and they came in and, and they were expecting something to happen at the house of the Lord. They found somebody with a need when they walked into the house of the Lord and they reached down and God healed him and filled souls with the Holy Ghost that day because they came expecting to see God do something. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry to see the glory of God fall in our midst. I'm hungry to see the glory of God rest upon us today. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? I want us to lift our hands and our voices and say, God, help me grow the intensity of the expectation that I have when I come into the house of the Lord. Amen. If that's really your prayer, why don't you reach out to heaven and begin to talk to God for a moment here tonight as we close this service out. Lord, help us, Jesus, to get under a burden, God, to reproduce in your kingdom. Lord, help us to get under a burden, God, that says, hey, God, no matter what's going on in my life, let me be used for your glory. Help me to reach somebody, God, that is hungry for something in your kingdom, something different than what they've experienced. Lord, use me for your glory today. Lord, use me for your glory tonight. Oh, no matter where I go, no matter what I do, no matter what I say, God, let it give glory. Let it draw people to you. Not to me, but to you, Savior. We are hungry today, God, for your grace. We're hungry today for your mercy. We exalt you tonight, Jesus. Oh, can we love the Lord here in this place tonight? Oh, thank you for saving my soul today. Thank you for saving my soul tonight, God. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You're excellent and mighty in this house today.
place today. How excellent you are in this place today. Hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Just two things I want to ask of us tonight. This coming next week, I'm going to say it again on Sunday, but this coming next week, I, I, want, I want us on a Wednesday um, to join together as a day of fasting. And uh, just as the church, I want to start having a day a week we can fast together that we're all doing the same thing. And uh, I, want, I, I think Wednesday is, is a good day to do it. And uh, so I, I, will, I will encourage you. I haven't done it like this before, but I am going to encourage you as an individual, if you can at all, please take from whatever time you eat dinner on, on Tuesday night until the next day. Let's try to do only water if you can. You know, some have medications, need to have something with it. But let's, let's give it our best shot. Doing water, putting aside sodas, putting aside coffee, putting aside food. Putting aside coffee. Yeah, it's, it's quite a deal. I'm not going to ask the church to do something I won't do. I am. I drink a lot of coffee. But I, I, my, my heart's cry is, God, I want to see you fall in our midst. And I think it's time for us to start working together in the kingdom of God. And this will be one of those things. Um, I also would like to start getting together and going and knocking on doors. And just, just getting out there and saying, hey, it's, we, want, we want to invite you to church. This week I, I got to get some more church cards printed um, so that we can have them for Thunder on the street, but I'm going to actually get several more than just enough for that. I'm going to have several so we can have them here at the church. I'll get those ordered this week so that they'll be here the beginning of next week so we can get busy. I've been trying to remember to do it, but just life happens. Um, anyway, that's the plan. Um, I may actually shovel that off onto Reagan or somebody that may be available, so We'll see, we'll see what we come up with. Um, but we're going to have to get it done ASAP. The second thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about, and this does not need to wait until next week. I think this should start happening as soon as we get home and wake up tomorrow. But I want us to pray this prayer. Lord, lay somebody on my heart today. A specific individual, God, I want you to put their name on my heart. And I want you to pray for that individual throughout your day. When you wake up the next morning, ask God to lay somebody on your heart. It can be the same person if, if that's what you feel. I want you to pray for that person. Continue to do that. What's going to happen here is that's gonna, it's going to begin to mold our thought process of how, how we start praying for others. Amen. And then as you're praying for them, I think it would be fitting that you ask God, God somehow open a door for me to be able to work in their life and tell them and testify of the goodness of God. Amen. Praise the Lord.
Anybody willing to join me in that prayer every day? Amen. Let's, let's join together in that prayer and ask God, God, help us to have somebody that we're seeking after that you can reach down and change forever. Somebody did it for you. Somebody did something very similar for you. Amen. And why not we stand in the gap for somebody else? Praise God. Well, that's all I have for tonight other than the fact that next Saturday, next Saturday, Thunder on the Street, um, I need somebody to call these folks and get things squared away with them. Uh, would anybody be available or willing to do that? I can shoot you an email so that you can be in communication with the guy uh, that or organizes all of that. I don't know what the cost is going to be. Uh, just let me know. I'll get you the funds and all that stuff to have the booth. Um, the other part is I need somebody to go pick up a booth. We don't have a tent anymore. We had to throw it out last year. So if somebody has some time, maybe you can just, I just, I was thinking about this time, get a, just a small 10 by 10. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking was just get one of those from Walmart again. That's where that last one came from. Let's, let's do that, and uh, I can get you the church card so we can, or whoever. <laughs> I, you spoke up, so I was like, okay. Okay. Yeah. If you don't mind running that down for me, I'll, give, I'll get you the church card or I'll get you some cash. Actually, I have cash at the house, so I can get that to you Sunday and uh, let you go from there. Um, so that being said, we're going to need that white cooler you guys had at the wedding as well that and I have a big cooler my brother has a big cooler um, I need to figure out how many water bottles we have I think we only used six cases last year if I'm not mistaken of water um, I bought I don't know how many we bought 20 I think 25 somewhere in that range anyway there was a lot of water uh, I don't know if we have any more popsicles what's that um, I don't know if we have any more popsicles. I know the ones we had ended up molding because they got stuck in a cooler and we moved and that cooler got stuck in the garage or somewhere and it's just all molded up. I guess we could take them out and wash them. But, um, anyway, I, I think I'm just going to throw them away. Yeah, that's, I got some weird looks. I didn't know what the look was about. So I was like, uh, I guess I can wash them. But no, I was like, they're not very expensive. Let's just go buy some more boxes of them. Um, anyway, and I don't know if, did we do the balloons? Did we, Tori, did you guys do uh, labeled balloons? Was it really expensive? We have a lot of them left over. Um, 
guy's just bought the helium tanks from Walmart, didn't he? That was expensive. Yeah, it's cheaper for us just to rent the helium bottle from, uh, what? I don't know where that's at. <coughs> I don't know. We, we rented them from, what's the name of that rental place in Lewisburg? Gherkin, yeah. We rented it from Gherkin. I think it cost us less than $200 for all the balloons that we do. What's that? Yeah, it was it was right at 200, I think, somewhere in that range. So um, we'll need to get that picked up. All right. Um, babe, can you look up logo balloons and see what those will cost? And if they're crazy, we'll just grab some balloons, pink ones, go from there. It'd be nice to have our church name on it. Um, and it would be nice to have our church contact information on it. Um, yeah. Or the, the website, because they can get all that information on the website. Um, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, yeah, we already had that happen. Well, let's. Uh, I'll, we'll consider it. My wife and I'll talk about it. I, I won't. I don't want to put my cell phone number on, on random balloons. <laughs> I'll put. I'll put the church number on those balloons, and go from there. Yeah. Everything else has my cell phone number on it right now. So that's. I'm trying to break that mold. We actually have a church number that comes directly straight to my phone. And so that's what I'm trying to morph over to. Anyway, all right. God bless y'all. We love you. Have a wonderful night. Let's come back Sunday and have a, have a great time in the Lord.